forget everything that you think you know about comics. Some say the battle of good versus evil is never ending because evil always survives. Some say that there are two types of people in this world, those who drink beer and those who enjoy a good comic. But damn it, we are the bridge. And to that we say cheers. We are your guardians, your watchful protectors from everything mundane. Because in the real world, you either die a hero or you drink long enough to see yourself become the villain. There's a war going on out there. How can you be sure you're on the right side? The ageless debate of what's right and wrong brought to your headphones with the simplest of solutions. With great beer comes great responsibility. And we accept that responsibility. For in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape our sight. We are hop heroes, bringing the relevance of great beer and comic book stories to light. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, a show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, Jared Gonzalez. What's up, Jordan? What's up, dog? I see you got a little stash, stash growing on right there. Is that what that is? Is that what we're calling that? Dude, it's just the beginning. It's like, <laughs> the, it's like the, the beginning it's like, of what? It's like, it's like the first movie of, of the MCU. Is Iron Man? It's, right I don't is know, man. Iron Man, because Iron Man was a pretty good movie. I don't know if I see the comparison. Get ready, get ready for a ten-year production. A ten-year. Oh no, I cannot commit to that. I can commit to the MCU. This is a whole different commitment. That's that's asking a lot of your viewers and listeners. I think, especially specifically your viewers. Um, yeah. And then uh, we got our third host, published author, and great friend Zach Barlow. What's up, Z? What's up? You want to comment on this beard right here? So today's episode is Wait, a Jordan. special one. Wait. That's too close. Comes, comes this, <laughs> you're too close, man. You're far <laughs> too close. I saw too some grays close. in there, bro. Some straggly grays. I'm letting it. Yeah, I'm letting it go. I'm just going straight James Harden mode. Whatever <laughs> comes, comes. That worked out for him this year, it appears. Yeah. Speaking of which, how's your, uh, your Miami Heat bet going? It seems like it's going pretty well. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, we're still in this, so it's pretty wild that we are, but we are. And, um, they just lost to the Celtics, the game that Gordon Hayward came back, which I don't love because he was a lot more productive than I was hoping he'd be coming off of an injury, Mm -hmm. both offensively. And like the scariest part was like defensively. He gave the Celtics like a defensive answer that they didn't have beforehand. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned about Gordon Hayward. I'm not going to lie, but, um, yeah, I haven't hedged the bet at all yet, so I'm I'm doubling down on the heat. The whole, like I'm really, I'm real, and I'm one, running out of windows of time to actually effectively hedge. So like, we're it's it might be <laughs> in a position where I just I let it ride the entire way through. But so far so good. I mean, the Heat are playing great. Like I said, um, I'm not as confident after that last <laughs> loss, but I'm still decently confident. I I think the Heat have a better team. I'm not gonna lie. Like one through nine, I feel like the Heat are a better team. So. God, um, man. I haven't watched basketball that much lately since Joe Johnson man. left. I just had no reason. I had no stake. But the fact that the Heat actually have a squad, like a deep squad, is so surprising to me. Because all I know about their team is Goran Dragic the Dragon and Jimmy Buckets. I don't know anybody Jimmy else Jimmy Buckets, squad. bro. I love Jimmy Buckets. Yeah, the cool thing about the Heat is that they, they don't have like a – they're like the exact opposite of what you would – 
call the Lakers, right? The Lakers have like two of the top five best players sure. in the NBA on the same team, but then like the rest of the team is like just random dudes that they like asked if they wanted to play basketball that night. So like it's like the exact <laughs> opposite of of the Heat. The Heat don't have like nobody on their team is even in the top ten. Maybe you could argue Jimmy Buckets. Mark would say like Goran Dragic is the best player in the NBA, but Mark would say he, that. they're really not that good. I mean, they, but they are they're solid. But the thing about the Heat is that one through nine, everybody's a dog. Like everybody's really good. They're super smart, high basketball IQ, and that's their strength. Like they're deep. They're super deep, and they can just put bodies everywhere on the court. And you know, eventually, you have to take a superstar out if you're constructed that way, which so many teams are. And then that's when the Heat always make their run. So. Yeah, it's cool. It's it, they're fun to watch. I, my favorite part about them is like they've just adopted Jimmy Butler's like attitude as a team, which is like, oh, we're down by twenty. I guess let's turn this into a street fight. And yeah. I love, I love that. Like, I love that basketball. It's they're so scrappy and so. <clears throat> yeah, man, they're fun. I love to watch. it, man. Well, well, best of luck to you. And speaking of street fights, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but DK Metcalf uh, beat the shit out of his little his little son last night, Stephon Gilmore. <laughs> Um, his little son. <laughs> uh, and Stefan Gilmore did not respect his father in that matchup, I would say, because uh, I mean, when you're like the size of a fucking trunk and you run the, the speed of like a little car, you're going to win some battles. But I think he threw down right at the end and, and started Dude. showing started showing some mid-calf what it's really like to play a good, against a good corner. I mean, Here's he has some big though. plays. Here's the and, thing. I don't think he like just got off like a couple times on Stefan Gilmore. I feel like he like sunned Stefan Gilmore like all night long. Like I really do. I feel like he was like, I don't know if anybody ever has shit on Stefan Gilmore for an entire game. The way that DK Metcalf just shit on Stefan Gilmore. Let's look up his stats because are you, stats up? are you pulling up numbers? Dude, I don't, I wouldn't do that if I were you. So t- today's episode is, uh, it, it's an emotional one. It, we, uh, we did a, a Chadwick Boseman tribute um previously on an episode and we wanted to really give him uh, a full tribute to not just uh black panther but his full cinematography his full filmography of everything he's done um because there's there's a lot of great work out there and and i personally know i wasn't uh informed on all of it um and i was i was really really uh excited and impressed by what we went through so we got nine movies that we're all going to talk about uh but before we go into that uh, Zach's got a beer coming from the Snoqualmie Falls Brewery we're going to discuss. So let's dive into that beverage breakdown. Break it down again. So those are my dreams. Hey, all right. So today we have the uh, Wildcat Indian Pale Ale. And um, we got it, obviously, because of uh, Black Panther. Our king, King T'Challa, may uh, he rest in paradise. May he rest in power. Um, so, I've never had this before. This is a local beer. This is a uh, Snoqualmie Falls Brewery. The can is pretty sick. It's like green and black, and we got a like a looking like a Black Panther kind of on that. So it's actually got hop hero colors. That green, black, and gold right there. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I dude. like it. It's filthy. Right, we're gonna get that pour. In that frozen glass, Jr. Like it so, needs to be and done. And so Zach cannot talk about his glass for the hundredth time. Uh, I did some research on Snoqualmie Falls Brewery. There's 
not a whole lot to the story from what I could find online. It's just five homies that uh, enjoy craft beer and they uh, enjoyed the science behind it. So they started it back in 1997 um, and it's still there today. And they're passionate about the quality of their product. And this is the first time we've had it on the show. Uh, so Zach's going to break down the, uh, the IPA, the Wildcat, and we'll see if uh, the quality meets the taste. We got a 6.6 ABV. So it's a it's a it's a little light. The color is looking like that as well. It's kind of like a nice crispy golden brown. Let's uh, see what it tastes like. Mmm, it's definitely got a um, like a aggressive bite to it. Like it's a, it's not a um, mild IPA by any means, especially for um, six point six. I feel like. Normally, when I'm drinking an IPA, I expect the bite to come from like heavier IPAs, but this IPA is unique in that it's it's light and weight. It doesn't feel like it's it's um gonna like weigh me down a million pounds, but I'm still getting that like really crisp bite in the back of my throat, which is actually something that I like in an IPA. I look for that in an IPA. Um, I know that's not for everybody, but yeah, so far it's it's pretty good. It has a uh, a little bit of a uh, write up here. I want to read. Wildcat IPA is a single hopped IPA with Columbus hops. A generous amount of Munich malts gives it balance, body, and a great overall mouthfeel. 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 <laughs> How's that mouthfeel, uh, dog? <laughs> heavenly. Consider yourself happy to have a can in your midst. Snoqualmie Falls Brewery is a small, independent craft brewery located in Old Town, Snoqualmie, Washington. We've been brewing great Northwest craft beer since 1997. Mm, goes pretty deep. We have stayed independent and focused on quality the whole time. So yeah, it's a it's a nice little local beer. It's uh got that got that good good mouthfeel, and um yeah, it's crispy. Got a nice bite to it. L- what I look for in IPA. I don't know if I could like down a sixer of this, um but for for you know uh, one crisp cold IPA to kind of quench that thirst, I feel like it it gets the job done. Yeah, I did uh when I was reading up on that one specifically, the review said it was incredibly bitter for the ABV. Like usually when you have that much bite on a on a IPA, it's gonna have a higher no way. percentage. Um, Damn so. bro, I called that. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. I was ex- I was excited Damn, to see your, your reaction because it's known for being bitter and it's supposed to be balanced out by the uh the Munich malt and uh sounds like it's it is a little bit, it still feels light, but it has that bite, so Sounds it like a does good have balance. a bite. It's quite it's quite aggressive with the bite, but yeah, but it, it's a light bite, so it's a it is a an interesting combination there. Yeah, very cool. Well, well hats off to you, Snoqualmie, uh, and that's our Bev breakdown. So let's go into the filmography of our boy Chadwick and we're going to go in chronological order here. So let's jump back to 2013 when he first came on the big, the big scene with uh 42 JR you watched 42. We all, we all split up the movies three piece and JR that was yours. So yeah. why don't you start it off for us, man? Uh, yeah. So 42 obviously is about Jackie Robinson and his 1946 season when he became the first uh, African-American to uh, join a professional baseball team, the Brooklyn Dodgers. And, you know, took them, you know, almost, you know, took, took him to the pennant. Um, but it was such a tremendous time and people obviously um, were pretty stupid back then and didn't understand. uh a lot of things um but this was i think his breakout role 
because uh, I, I don't remember Chadwick before this, um, but the movie had Harrison Ford. It was directed by Brian uh, Higgleland and um, Chadwick as Jackie Robinson, which was, he was pretty thick in that movie, Chadwick. I mean, he was ripped and he looked pretty, you know, like he put some some good weight on him and he obviously before he was sick so uh it's a it's a deep movie it's um it was a great movie i watched it in one setting um and one thing you know there's a lot of things that kind of correlate with chadwick in that movie um one thing that hit me hard was the 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 what he kept saying in the movie was god uh built me to last which was kind of a little heartbreaking for me there like Mm. I mean, Jackie Robinson died uh, when he was 53, so he, he didn't live, you know, uh, he died of a heart attack, you know, at 53, so he died young as well. Um, so there's a lot of, like, similarity. I think I, I understand why Chadwick was the perfect and why this kind of sprung him into, you know, these types of movies because he was, like, he almost mirrored, you know, Jackie Robinson in, in age and um, kind of, like, you know, his life kind of ended a little short as well. but. Uh, yeah, I mean that's I love the movie. It was a great movie. I love baseball movies, but this was just a great like it's just horrendous the some of the things in that movie. Just, you know, mm. the language and um I mean, I've heard movies before. I mean, I've watched a movie called Mississippi Burning, which is kind of another, <laughs> you know, yeah, I've seen that one. tale of yeah, with uh, <laughs> Gene Hackman. So, yeah, it, it was just appalling to to hear um hear someone talk like that on a baseball field. Right, like this is professional baseball players, and back then they they didn't treat everybody the same, obviously. So yeah, yeah. it's a great movie. Fun fact about that movie: um, when he so uh, Jackie Robinson had a like famous um, way that he spoke that was like very unique to him, kind of like kind of like in the same way that if somebody did an imitation of Mike Tyson, even if like it wasn't a particularly good imitation, you would know it was Mike Tyson because he speaks. He just has a unique way of speaking. And um, initially, Chadwick uh, was doing like how Jackie Robinson spoke and uh, him and the director ended up deciding to go in a different direction because that meant that the whole rest of the cast had to like take on this like 20s or 30s accent to like change how their character delivered the lines and like Mm. everybody else couldn't do it. So like the director had to like sit him down and be like, listen, bro, in a a weird way, like you're acting like. Let's not do that because everybody else wants to just talk normal and like they can't hang. So I thought that that was like an interesting, interesting little tidbit. And also, um, it was another way of like bringing Jackie Robinson into uh, a a light that was like more easily understood for all of us because we we wouldn't like hear Jackie, Jackie Robinson now and be like, oh, that's for sure Jackie Robinson. So it would be more probably something like, why is he talking like that? So yeah, yeah. And another thing, you know, I feel like I just have to mention, I, I've already mentioned this before, but that's a very special movie to me. Um, that is also the first time I've ever seen Chadwick Boseman. And uh, that movie is like, you know, cemented in my memory. So it's one of like my favorite movies of all time. It is kind of hard to watch, but I mean, it's like a pretty accurate rendition of what Major League Baseball was like at that time. So yeah. um, Huge. just kind of shocking to see uh, <laughs> the, the bullshit that people went through. Yeah. Chadwick didn't stray from those roles, that's for damn sure. He wanted that out there. He wanted the message delivered, and we're going to go through a lot of that in this episode, I think. And, and one thing yeah. that JR mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned it, but he, he actually passed away on, on Jackie Robinson Day. That's Chadwick true, yeah. Day. He 
Chadwick did. Yeah, August 28th. That's insane. So that was like, I was doing all, you know, a little bit of research, and it's like, that's like one of the first things that come up, and you're like, oh, that's probably a tearjerker if I had just, more empathy. Yeah. But, 2020 yeah. would you know it just it would yeah it's such a hard thing you know i don't i don't cry a lot but that was close that was close i was close you know when you saw like, when you saw that that uh factoid you yeah, were close or yeah, in the movie it's a little bit of both a little bit of both uh just because like i said it was such a close like they're so parallel with their lives a little bit i mean different crafts if but they were so like I kind of had this thought a little bit because I've been watching. I've been really, really loving these independent movies. These movies that were that that like it doesn't need a lot of CGI. It, the actors carry the movie, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. people movies. I was listening to Shia LaBeouf and he was doing a roundtable with Tom Hanks and Adam Sandler. Oh, and I've seen Robert that. De Niro, right? Like, how That's cool so are you, good. right? And I think Chad Chadwick is definitely in that ballpark, right? Like, we're we're gonna miss a lot because he was in that ballpark of like. Jackie Robinson was the best place baseball player in the world at that time. And Chadwick was like probably one of the best actors. And so I think that kind of start correlating. And then the fact that he died on Jackie Robinson kind of shows Jackie Robinson kind of shows you kind of where destiny takes you. Right. So it was kind of a little bit close to a tearjerker for me. I mean, Disney movies are the only thing that make me cry, but this was pretty close. Yeah. But, that's Pixar, man. They have a science behind it. They know exactly Bastards. where to pull. They put something in the air. It's they fucking disgusting. They put something in the air. They it's, put something in the air. <laughs> it's me every time. It's supposed to be in the popcorn. Uh, <laughs> so then we move on to 2014, which was Get On Up, um, the uh, autobiography, or the biography, I should say, of uh, James Brown. And uh, this one was interesting to me. I had never seen it before. I watched this one, and the first the first time I I still haven't seen Forty Two. I need to. And the first time I saw Chadwick was in uh, Black Panther, well, Civil War technically, I guess, but um, as Black Panther. And um, I know I've known of James Brown, and I've listened to James Brown. I have the you know the get up, you know, like everybody mm-hmm. everybody has heard samples of James Brown, and you find out in this movie he's the most. Uh, <laughs> Rocky, like top Rocky. five sampled artists of all time, um, and you find out why in this. And it's 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 a very interesting tale because it starts off so dark. Um, the first opening scene is it's uh, it's a forward and it starts with him in the future and it's he's smoking cigarettes in his truck, listening to himself, super old, in a bright green jumpsuit outside of this like insurance agent like seminar in a in an outlet mall. And he's got this makeup on his face. And I first, when I first saw this, I was like, oh my God, what am I getting into? Because I don't know if you remember in Entourage when Vince Chase played Pablo Escobar and the makeup just looked terrible. Like you could tell it was just the worst makeup job ever. I was like, oh God, this gave me Medellin vibes. Like I could not, I was like, this is Chadwick Boseman. Like this is going to be rough. Uh, And you come to find out why he looked that way throughout the movie but he walks into this seminar and he has a shotgun in one hand and he's wearing a bright green jumpsuit and he's clearly high on drugs and he's just calling out whoever went into the public bathroom in this building that he owned and took a shit because that's his bathroom and, he, and he's like just blowing shoot like shoots through the oh ceiling oh my god he's just off it i was like this is fucking james brown like what is what is going on and then it starts back from his past when he was a little boy and uh he grew up in the south in georgia and his mom was a prostitute and his dad was an alcoholic, abusive. They lived in this cabin in the woods. And uh, it was actually his dad was actually played by Lenny James, who was Morgan in Walking Dead. Zach, if you remember. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did a great job playing a freaking asshole. Um, but his mom abandons him, essentially. His dad then drops him off at a whorehouse because his aunt runs a whorehouse. Um, and it's actually played by um, Octavia Spencer. Uh, Aunt Honey is her name. And so he learns how to hustle at the whorehouse. And then he finds music at the local church. And that's when he starts learning how to like jive and how to, how to, how to find an escape, essentially, from the shit around him. And uh, he gets arrested by first stealing a suit. And then, and he has no family, so like he's gonna be doing potential life in prison because for stealing just a suit from a store because he has nowhere to go. And he meets his uh, singing mate, uh, Bobby Bird, who's singing at the local prison. He's not in prison; he's just singing there. And then uh, Chadwick starts a fight. He sings sings to him in the nurse's office, and he's like, "Wow, you got a voice." And he's, like, "How long are you in here?" And he's like, "I'm in here for life because I got no family." Bobby Bird takes him in. He gets he gets the whole music together and it starts out with James Brown and the famous flames. And that's how they get big. And James Brown is his name that he kind of creates for himself. Cause he was just called boy. Um, and that's, Jesus. and he takes on this, this identity. And it's interesting because it starts off with, with obviously in slavery and, and, and just the disgustingness of the South at that time. And he's just this boy who's just observing all these things and taking it in. And the only escape he knows is music. And he uses that, but he doesn't use it the way everybody else uses it. He uses it in his own way. And he does the same thing with business. So he becomes this incredible businessman where all these white people and Dan Aykroyd's his agent and Dan Aykroyd does a great job and he loves Dan. Like they have a great relationship, but he's Mm -hmm. like, this is how it works. This is a system. You have to go to this promoter because this promoter runs this town. They'll set up the show for you. And this is by the time that James Brown is big. And he's like, no, 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 we're going to do everything ourselves because we can find a cheaper DJ that will do it because... I own the gate. I'm not going to let the man own the gate. I own the gate. And he ran everything himself because he was just that independent and that much of a genius. And it eventually goes to the part where his his ego takes over and and he loses his friends and family around him and he gets into this really dark place. And that's when he comes to the older James Brown. But the biggest takeaway I had is like about 15 minutes in, you don't see Chadwick Boseman anymore. Like it's just not... He You can't see him. He, He transforms into this role. And he has the dance moves that James Brown has. He breaks really? down the, the little shimmy and the feet and the, and the knees and he falls on his knees. And gets like He completely engulfed himself in this role and it was one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen. And even his delivery. Now, the only thing I can say about his delivery is I saw Black Panther first and for something with the cadence of Black Panther's delivery where he kind of like says it all really fast and he says it all together but he has that accent. He kind of mm-hmm. talks the same way as James Brown but he has a rasp because he's James Brown. I'm James Brown, and, this. and like, but he does it so well. Like it was, this like obviously Black Panther was the first I saw, so that's all I knew. And then this is just such a parallel, and it really shows you his his range. And wow, I, I've never seen that movie. I uh, I bumped James Brown for a week after that movie. I've been bumping you really? on Spotify. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and it's so cool because Craig that's Robinson's funny. in it. Craig Robinson from like The Office and Hot Tub Time Machine and everything, and and he's like this hired saxophone player for uh, James Brown. And James Brown's telling him he wants to play his beat. He wants to start the drums differently and play off beat with the drums, but the sax stays on beat. And he's like, No, James, that's not going to work. That's not how music works. And he goes, You got ears, don't you? He goes, Yeah. He goes, God gave you those ears. He's like, yeah. He goes, does it sound good? Yeah. He goes, then it's musical. You gonna tell God he didn't know what he was doing? This music, and then, and it worked. That was James Brown's thing. It's like it didn't have to make sense. It just as long as it sounded good and it felt good, it was beautiful. And Jr., you mentioned something about uh, how he was built to last. He had that line. 
mm-hmm. he had a similar line in this one where he was flying to Vietnam to play a show and they were they they shot his plane and he was about to crash and the uh the pilot was freaking out and he goes James Brown was born dead then I breathed God didn't take me then he sure as hell ain't gonna take me now and I was like that was like one of the opening mm-hmm. lines I was like fuck man like damn mm-hmm. just damn it's hard but uh definitely recommend it was it was incredibly well done um and uh that takes us to 2016 where uh, we first saw Black Panther in Civil War I believe that was yours JR yeah, so Civil War was, you know, it's a you started seeing like the you kind of start seeing these like jumps in the MCU, right? You start seeing like the quality of movies just get I mean they were all good, but you start seeing these, you know, multiple actors starting to really jump on board, you know. I think Civil War was one with kind of one of the first one you had a lot of characters in there and so obviously it, this is where Captain America fights, you know, Iron Man and you know, the government is anti-Avengers, you know, they have their register and they're not having it. And uh, Black Panther enters when uh, their attack in, I forget the town, but it's near Wakanda. And anyways, it, it hurts a lot of citizens and their his father jumps in and tries to, you know, get everything in peace. And all of a sudden it explodes and he dies. And so Chadwick becomes the next in line, which is the Black Panther. And my favorite scene out of that movie is when he fights uh, Bucky with a Winter Soldier. Like, they're hand-to-hand, no outfits, no, you know, no special effects. Just the the fighting technique that Chadwick had to go through, which I've read about, was, like, optimistic. Like, his karate or his fighting jiu-jitsu was, like, off the chart. Like, he dedicated himself to learning these moves. You know, he does this double kick move that he does, um, which is... I, I I, I saw it a little bit in um, Message from the King, but his fighting and his training kind of was marrying kind of like Keanu Reeves is known for this, where he takes his training to the next level. And I think Chadwick was starting to do that. And you could see that as Black Panther um, in Civil War. So there's really not a lot about Captain America Civil War other than, you know, it was the first time we got to see Chadwick wear the Black Panther outfit and start to compete, compete. But that's what he did, compete with Bucky outshined Bucky was kicking his ass and you know stand toe to toe with with Captain America which is in the comic book world which is really hard to do right because Cap is is a astronomical character and fighter so um but yeah that's a that's a that's the Civil War I mean yeah. love him. I, I guess the one of the best but I know you love Jordan so I'm gonna let you explain one of your favorite parts out of that movie um, which is a pretty dynamic Chadwick movement yeah yeah, I mean, that movie was, uh, when we did our MCU Rank the Marvel movies, that was my number one. I thought Civil War was just so incredibly done, and they introduced so many characters into it, and it was like our first taste of all these individual movies finally coming together. I mean, the Avengers was obviously there, mm-hmm. but this brought in Spider-Man, Ant-Man, Black Panther. Like, yeah. I was just so giddy. It's like a kid on Christmas, and then how well it was executed at the same time with the drama between Cap and Iron Man, like... It was just, I know the Civil War comic had controversy of how well it could have been put into the big screen. And I think that they outsurpassed expectations significantly. But in the end, Black Panther has a huge role in the Chadwick's guy's mask off. And uh, General Zemo, the, the the mad villain of the whole thing, is talking about his, his plot, his whole reason for doing everything. And Black Panther's listening. And he just puts the gun under his head, or under his chin, about to blow his brains out. And, and Chadwick 
dives, grabs his arms, and puts his hand right over the um, the muzzle of the gun. Yeah, yeah and takes the bullet yeah. into his hand. He goes, the living aren't done with you yet. And the fucking pulls him off the screen. I was like, oh my god! Can't wait for Black Panther. <laughs> what a what a hype like hype up for. Oh, by the way, Black Black Panther's coming soon. Yeah, like you watch yeah. that scene and you're just like, oh my god, dude. Got goosebumps just talking about it right now. I fucking Put it that into my veins. Absolutely. <laughs> so Civil War was quite quite an introduction. Um, and then uh, we got in the same year, Message from the King. Uh, so Message from the King was... I gotta say, wait, 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 real quick, just oh, let me jump ahead. in. Before we, before we move on from Civil War, I remember watching that scene, but at the time, I don't feel like I was like a 150% believer in, in like Chadwick. Chadwick as the black panther like i gotta i gotta be 100 with you guys right now like oh, wow. I, I, I was not even though i had seen 42 i i that was like a huge movie to me but like a lot of these other movies i hadn't seen and then chadwick was a small part in civil war and i thought that was a tight ass like a tight ass scene but i really wanted um michael b jordan to be black panther at the time so like <laughs> i i uh uh, yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Black Panther is my movie, so we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan doesn't have the prestige to carry that that role. I don't think. I don't think he has yeah. like the royal the royal like aura. That's, you yeah, know? that's what I was gonna say. Like Chadwick felt like I think we talked about that. He feels like he was ro- royalty, right? He's I regal. We, talk, we said, yeah, regal is what we said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he had that essence to him, um, and. I think Michael B is just a sex symbol, so I think for a lot just of people, a sex symbol, a physical piece of you ass. Fucking for you fucking watch your mouth, bro. Yeah, I think he's, <laughs> he's just so all, much more I, than that. Like those shoulders are crazy and creed. Like I can't even like, bro. It's ridiculous. He, all right, he's not. <laughs> I, I'm not going to disagree with you guys about about the the regal aura. Um, but like I said, I like I just had to see it, bro. Like I feel like I didn't get enough reps of Chadwick in the in Civil War at the moment. Like. You get a rookie quarterback and he throws like three passes. You can't make a decision on like how much you want to pay him on his next contract. Like you need to see reps. And at the at that point, I felt like I didn't get enough reps in. And you know, Black Panther, I got the reps, and I you know, I believed. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of stealing the rotation right now because we're like almost into Black. Should I just go That's with right. Black Panther? We're gonna save the one star trash can for a second later. So Jr., talk to yeah. us about message from the king. <laughs> So, Message from the King, like, I was a little worried about this movie because it was kind of in between a lot of big movies. Um, and sometimes when actors do these these little, these little movies in between, particularly if it's like, it was kind of like an off-the-main-market kind of movie, right? I mean, he had some great actors in it. I mean, it had Teresa Palmer. It had uh, Alfred, Mo- Molina, Alfred Molina, which is, he was uh, Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2. Um and it, it just had some offbeat actors. And basically the movie is about revenge. You know, he gets a phone call from his sister and he it's she's in distress. So he, he's from they're from South Africa. So he has actually has his South Af- African accent, which I've heard, you know, when I've heard some interviews about it and how he had to work on that. And, you know, that's that actually helped him with the Black Panther uh accent you know for wakanda is his work that went into message from the king uh south african and so i think um i thought that was really cool to actually see and hear him talk it's it was very believable that uh, the, uh, the only time i've ever really heard um 
that accent is probably in Lethal Weapon 2. And <laughs> Mel Gibson fights what a the, pull. <laughs> uh, the, South, the South Africans and they were like, you know, being corrupt. Um, it, there's a lot to that movie. But um, yeah, so he, you know, he goes to Los Angeles, tries to find his sister, finds out his sister's dead. And there's just a bunch of corruption and hiding. And his sister, you know, turned out to be not, you know, she was messed up, you know, addicted to drugs and all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't want to give away the ending because the ending is surprised me a lot. So it's a very, you know, um, the reason they call it Message from the King is because his last name is King. And he he comes around and, and he fights and he beats the shit out of all these gangsters and he's kind of like uh, mob and politics is involved. And he, you know, he grabs like a bike chain. He goes to the hardware store, grabs a bike chain. And that's his weapon to beat the shit out of everybody. Fuck yeah. What he, a fucking and, savage. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, what a sick. Yeah. <laughs> fucking bike and he goes, chain. It's such, a, it's such a thing. I don't know if anybody's ever seen, you know, you watch Family Guy and they make a, a fun of, uh, there's an episode where they make fun of movies that have their name in it, right? And he walks up. And the reason I said it is he walks to this, like, um, these, these mob people are, like, hanging out at, like, a car wash. They're, like, uh, Armenian kind of gangsters. And he walks in and... He already walked in asking for their, their his sister and they told him to fuck off. But he walks in and he he's kind of he has purpose now. He's got his leather jacket. He's got his 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 bike chain in his his pocket. And he goes, "Where's my sister?" And they they told the guys like, "Fuck off." So next thing you know, he grabs the guy, punches him with the bike chain, beats the shit out of the other guys, drags the main guy by the neck with his bike chain into the back room, <laughs> and he goes. Where's my sister? And the guy tells him to fuck off. So he goes, here's a message from the king. Quack! And he leaves this big old what mark on his face. Oh. The bike chain. So throughout the whole movie, the guy's like, has this like plastic thing on his face that he left. And that he's like, I, I wish I thought was amazing. You know, that whole like, here's a message from the king then. I'm changing my and, last name to king. Out, Honestly, yeah. like, man, like we didn't have enough time to like watch all nine of these movies, each of us. But as I'm like hearing these conversations, the movies I haven't seen yet, I'm like, all right, put that on the old <laughs> oh, list. Gotta list. see that because that, that sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah. Hell so yeah. I mean, it's it's a great movie. Um, there are some things you could tell is a low budgeted movie, you know. But Chadwick, of course, steals it, comes in, um, and you could tell this is you could tell he's on his way up this is, this is before black panther so this is you know he's coming coming to fruition i'm mean, again and he looked pretty you know this is all during fighting cancer because he had cancer i just read a stat he he made seven movies while fighting cancer um, stage three too he got diagnosed with stage three yeah so he made seven complete movies and with and not just like acting. oh like you know smile in front of the camera and deliver some line movies either these are like yeah. fighting, like he did his own stunts, like jumping up and down, like all kinds of wild shit. And the craziest thing is that all his, like the people that worked with him and his co co actors and stuff, nobody had any idea ever. Yeah, like not crazy. even the directors. The directors it's... that he worked with, no idea. And no, he's engulfing in these roles. Like he's completely changing, studying his dialect, like learning how to dance like James Brown has to take six months at least. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and like I, I I work and do a podcast and all I have is a drinking problem and I get tired, you know, and this guy's <laughs> got fucking level three cancer and he's he's doing these incredible iconic roles like, yeah, it's just it's incredible. so amazing to watch him. Yeah, it's like watching art being made. Like I said, Shia LaBeouf is kind of getting to this level too, where you just you're like he you get engulfed in the movie like you can't stop. You got to keep watching. You got to keep yeah. going. 
And um, the fact that these movies came out before Black Panther um, is crazy. Like, you know, I seen I have never seen 42. I heard about it, but never seen it. You know, I had, you know, I've heard about, you know, the actor, but not really looked into it. You know, Chadwick, like, what's up with Chadwick? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's crazy to see all this stuff. That's why we have afterwards. to embrace the the genius that we have while they're here instead of just recapping when they pass. Like so it's hard. such an artistic yeah. thing to do and it sucks. And it's hard to appreciate everything. There's so much thrown at us every day of everything in the world. Yeah. But like yeah. a great representation is Shia. Like let's appreciate Shia because who knows how long his torch is going to last. I mean, he's got a God, don't even start saying so. I'm just saying just... he's got a he's got a lifestyle about him and I yeah, fucking love it. It's so sad. <laughs> he's he's still here with us. Let's enjoy him while we have him. Uh th- let's move on. So we got um 2018 Marshall. Zach, that was you, right? So Marshall, yeah, Marshall was uh so Marshall was a movie about Thurgood Marshall. I've n- I'd never seen it before. Thurgood Marshall was the first African American Supreme Court justice, but this movie took place well before he became a Supreme Court justice, and it took, it kind of was about this one trial in Connecticut about this guy played by Sterling K. Brown. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but um, he's another one of my favorite actors. He was actually in Black Panther. He was um, T'Chaka's brother, the one that betrayed uh, Wakanda. He was he was Killmonger's oh, dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Sterling K. Brown got. Um, was accused of rape and this was in like 1920 in connecticut uh of a white woman and so he was on um you know he was basically on the on the uh, uh death row you know they wanted to hang him and um thurgood marshall showed up not even from connecticut heard about the case and basically convinced this like low-level white lawyer to represent sterling k brown after he figured out that sterling k brown was innocent and um this low level white lawyer he's played by Josh Gad um who is like oh, normally in no like shit. funny roles but this guy he he killed this role i mean it was pretty serious but he was still like a goofball you know like he, he was just way in in way over his head the entire time and you know same kind of motifs that we've already touched on dealing with like a ton of like racism and Thurgood Marshall was um at this point in his career in his like mid 30s had already argued at the state supreme court and the United States Supreme Court. He was just a powerhouse of a lawyer, went to Howard, you know, but this Connecticut uh, judge wouldn't let him speak in court at all. Like just straight up wouldn't let him speak. Like, nah, dude, you can't, you can't talk. So, so Thurgood Marshall, like, I'm going to spoil it. He ends up winning the case, but he wins the case through Josh Gad. Like he just like tells Josh Gad what to do, when to object, when not to object, when to say this, puts the case together, so on and so forth. And it turns out that the character played by Sterling K. Brown didn't rape the girl. It was consensual sex, you know, blah, blah, blah. A whole bunch of stuff kind of comes out. But it's really just a story of an early um, kind of representation of how beast Thurgood Marshall was and how the court system worked in Connecticut and in the country in the 20s. And um, it's also the story of the character that Josh Gad plays because he ends up joining the NAACP, who um, Thurgood Marshall, like, was like a founding member founding father of the NAACP. So, um it's like a, it's it's a tough movie to watch, but I'm always when I watch these types of movies, I find myself like waiting for something like really really bad to happen. I'm always just kind of like bracing myself for like they're good to die or something. And it actually ended pretty happily. I mean, mm-hmm. Sterling K Brown got off not guilty, 
and you know it was kind of like a happily ever after like they won and you know justice was served type of ending which i found like wow that i feel like i you never see those types of movies in in this type of setting and so it was great i mean it was it was really really good and like i said i had never seen it and it was cool to see chadwick in in a different light than what i what i expect from him you know what was his uh character like personality like in that what was Thurgood Marshall's like characteristics that he portrayed? He was he was cocky, like he I was he say, was, yeah, I was gonna say arrogant. He was cocky, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't like out of control cockiness, but like he just knew that he was like smarter than you, and like smarter than the judge, and like smarter than everybody there. Like, but he had to downplay it because they did as much as they possibly could to like keep his genius in a box, like locked away and so he had to just you know work through josh gad and it's funny there's a line at the very end where um josh gad you know just comes off they're they're getting ready to win the case and the um the lawyer on the other side who's trying to kill this guy approaches josh gad when thurgood marshall's not there and and tries to give him like some bullshit plea deal like okay 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 you know how about this i'll give i'll give you five years if you you know if you have your client say that he lied on the stand and that he did it, you know, just, just to kind of save face, like, please just do this. And Josh Gad is like, basically like, fuck you. Which is like a subplot because the entire time he has like zero confidence. And he's like, I, I can't do this. Like I shouldn't be here. And then at that point he like is able to stand up without Thurgood Marshall there. And so like the uh, opposing lawyer, like has a line along the lines of like, you sound just like your nigger friend, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Josh Gad's character kind of looks at him and smiles and is like, Thank you. Honestly, that's the greatest compliment you could have ever given me because like he just believes in Thurgood that much. Like he just, he just knows that Thurgood is like that much of a beast. And so, um, yeah, it's like a story of, of like the inability of the system to keep in Thurgood's greatness. And then the subplot of him being able to build up this lawyer to be, become so much greater than where he was when he started, which actually kind of trickles down into like what the NAACP became. Cause he ends up like taking a mission of building a army of lawyers for the NAACP, which he does. And this guy's like the first one that he that he um, that he recruits. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool movie. God damn. Yeah, I've seen that one. That's a really it was really it's an intense movie. Like you feel yeah. the stress. It's kind of a little bit like Forty Two because you feel like Chadwick's stress and the the you know like the angst of Jackie Robinson in that movie and you could feel it in Thurgood too because it was some it was a man's life on the line here and yeah i mean he had to like ask this guy to do, actually do this like he actually had to get that and believe because this was about civil rights and this was about you know right and wrong and mm-hmm. um i think the actress was uh Goldie Hawn's daughter what's her name um Oh man, I can't remember her name now. I don't know. But uh, she, you know, she was a drunk and she was needing a lot of attention. And a lot of this happened a lot, you know, back then. You know, just you have these guys who do these like little things around the house, and he's a man, she's a woman, and you know, back then it it wasn't good to mix. So um, it's actually a really intense movie for for me. It was. I mean, I yeah. was very angst throughout the whole thing, and kind of like Zach, you're like, who's gonna die, right? I mean, I was just really waiting for movie. it. Yeah. So, but yeah, Thurgood, I mean, I, I read that his, he's such an iconic, you know, figure in, in the world. His picture actually hangs, like, there's a big oil painting of him in the, in the White House, you know. 
So that kind of tells you, hopefully it's right next to Trump's bed. And I hope he likes it. Right <laughs> I hope he fucking <laughs> likes that shit. Hell yeah. And I hope he Just likes saying. it. Hell yeah. I hope he likes it. Now that guy was... Speaking of Trump, uh, one star trash cans. So... Wait, what? So Z, uh, Black Panther's up next. We're going to let it die. And our first episode we ever recorded was... Uh, our our preview, our, our recap of the Black Panther comic book series, um, or comic book character, and then our um, you know what we our anticipation of the movie. And Zach historically put in a one star trash can rating was his guess of what Black Panther would be. Come and okay, let me let me didn't happen. let me so talk Z. this through though. Let me talk this this talk one us, star trash can. Talk rating. us through it, bro. Like I said at the at that point in time. I was not all in on Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, the Chadwick. Honestly, for like Michael you B. fucking guys weren't either. Like I don't want to hear this. You guys like were all sold on Chadwick. Like I feel like we had conversations on Wax where we talked about the casting of Chadwick Boseman and how we were kind of iffy. We weren't saying he was gonna be trash, but we were like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know this guy. So I feel like that's one. The other thing is I didn't know who Ryan Coogler was at the time, the director, and. I felt like the comics that we read up to the that movie weren't really great. I mean, like traditionally the Black Panther comics, especially the early early on ones, they're kind of like famously good. Not well received. Like they're not they're not, not very good. And so I was just going off of the source material, going off of the uncertainty of the the main star and the director, <laughs> and I had a little bit of it was a little sauced up. Oh, we and were so, hammered that night. I, I made a night. call, and I just feel like, was I wrong? Yes. Was it based on, like, actual research and actual things I felt at the time? It was. I wasn't just, like, pulling something out of my ass. I really felt like it like, I was, they blew my mind. But they blew everybody's mind. Like, did anybody expect Black Panther to be what it was? Uh, me and JR did. I think we have that recorded, right, JR? I think I, I know I was excited because, <laughs> um... One, I it wasn't excited about Chadwick. I was excited to see another Marvel character that come to screen. I mean, that's what I'm right. Excited I mean, about. we were all concerned. But, we were all concerned after reading but the comics. Best case, best case, I feel like yes, every all of us were concerned, and I think you guys were less concerned than me. But the ceiling that you guys gave Black Panther was like, I think oh, this will be a good like Marvel seven. movie. Not like this is gonna fucking change everybody's life who sees the movie i mean like we gave it like a, it was an ant-man type ceiling i think like it was yes. like yeah we'll see could be good. yeah yeah right yeah i agree but with it's, that it's way less that. fun to talk about that let's talk about what you said <laughs> it's way more entertaining it's so it's so much fun i mean you went completely like i think we're like hey let's just see let's be safe about this let's make some you know, know. safe predictions and i guess we have to admire you for not making a safe prediction because you're just like fuck it I think I this know. is going to be Captain garbage. Cold Hard with the hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> Just the hot take. Cold Hard hot um, takes. I feel like I learned but, my lesson. That was back in back in my uh, my er, my early media days when I was you know a young <laughs> grasshopper in this this year profession. I didn't give a shit, and but uh, that's okay. Anyway, nothing goes so, away uh, anymore, Zach. Nothing goes away. Yeah. Um. I mean, Black Panther. I feel like uh, I don't really need to go a ton into this movie. We've all seen it multiple times. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a just a. I mean, it's just a special movie. I watched it, it again, um, leading up to this episode, just because I felt like you know, why not? And even like, I think this is the fourth time I've seen it, and it even after that, I'm I'm still moved by it. Like I'm really, it's like a special 
film. Like it's just a film that like I think you can watch a million times and still just be like find new things and kind of just still be at the end just kind of moved. And and I think you said something earlier, JR, or it might have been Jordan. No, it was Jordan when he was talking about um get on up when the movie starts and then you're you're not watching Chadwick anymore. Like you just he just that guy disappears and now you're watching uh James Brown. That's really what I feel like happens in Black Panther, to be honest with you. Like, I feel like all of the sudden, after a couple minutes of that movie, T'Challa's a real dude. And, like, this is what he looks like. And this is what he sounds like. And this is how other people look at him. And it's just, like, it, and, and it's weird because, like, I think that Marvel movies traditionally are so fantastical that, like, there's always a foot on the ground as a, as a viewer. Because you're, you always can see, like, Oh, Iron Man, you know, there's no such thing as the Hulk and those types of things. And I think that the Black Panther absolutely had that same level of like, you know, fantasy and, and kind of like head in the clouds type of drama. But I would argue that Chadwick's performance kind of makes you forget to keep that like anchor. And so you get like sucked away into this like fantasy land where normally you wouldn't because when you see t'challa you're like yeah that's a real guy like he just it just like makes you completely forget and so i think it's special and i think it's special because of chad in a lot of ways um yeah ryan coogler is um one of my favorite directors now i didn't know it at the time (laughs) but he is now he also directs my favorite series uh creed um and he directed and wrote black panther and uh he um he penned a, uh, a statement that just needs to be read at this moment. Well, all right, then. Let's go beneath the ink, shall we? <clears throat> I inherited Marvel and the, and the Russo brothers' casting choice of T'Challa. It is something that I will forever be grateful for. The first time I saw Chad's performance as T'Challa... It was in an unfinished cut of Captain America Civil War. I was deciding whether or not directing Black Panther was the right choice for me. I'll never forget sitting in an editorial suite on the Disney lot and watching his scenes. His, his first was Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, then with the South African cinema titan John Connie as T'Challa's father, King T'Chaka. It was at that moment I knew I wanted to make this movie. After Scarlett's character leaves them, Chad and John began conversing in a language I had never heard before. It sounded familiar, full of the same clicks and smacks that young black children would make in the States. The same clicks that we would often be chided for being disrespectful or improper. But it had a musicality to it that felt ancient, powerful, and African. In my meeting after watching the film, I asked Nate Moore, one of the producers of the film, about the language. Did you guys make it up? Nate replied. That's Zoso, John Connie's native language. He and Chad decided to do the scene like that on set, and we rolled with it. I thought to myself, he just learned lines in another language that day? I couldn't conceive how difficult that must have been. And even though I hadn't met Chad, I was already in awe of his capacity as an actor. I learned later that there was much conversation over how T'Challa would sound in the film. The decision to have Zosa be the official language of Wakanda was solidified by Chad, a native of South Carolina, because he was able to learn his lines in Zosa, there on the spot. He also advocated for his character to speak with an African accent, so that he could present T'Challa to audiences as an African king, whose dialect had not been conquered by the West. 
I finally met Chad in person in early 2016. Once I signed onto the film, he snuck past journalists that were congregated for a press junket I was doing for Creed and met with me in the green room. We talked about our lives, my time playing football in college, and his time at Howard studying to be a director, about our collective vision for T'Challa and Wakanda. We spoke about the irony of how his former Howard classmate, Nahisa Coates, was writing T'Challa's current arc with Marvel Comics, and how Chad knew Howard student Prince Jones, whose murder by a police officer inspired Coates' memoir, Between the World and Me. I noticed then that Chad was an anomaly. He was calm, assured, constantly studying, but also kind, comforting, had the warmest laugh in the world, and eyes that seen much beyond his years, but could still sparkle like a child seeing something for the first time. That was the first of many conversations. He was a special person. We would often speak about heritage and what it means to be African. When preparing for the film, he would ponder every decision, every choice, not just for how it would reflect on himself, but how those choices could reverberate. They n- they're not ready for this, what we are doing. This is Star Wars. This is Lord of the Rings, but for us and bigger. He would say this to me while we were struggling to finish a dramatic scene, stretching into double overtime, or while he was covered in body paint doing his own stunts, or crashing into frigid water and foam landing pads. I would nod and smile, but I didn't believe him. I had no idea if the film would work. I wasn't sure I knew what I was doing. But I looked back and realized that Chad knew something we all didn't. He was playing the long game, all while putting in the work, and work he did. He would come to auditions for supporting roles, which is not common for lead actors in big-budget movies. He was there for several M'Baku auditions. In Winston Dukes, he turned a chemistry read into a wrestling match. Winston broke his bracelet. In Latita Wright's audition for Shuri, she pierced his royal poise with her signature humor and would bring about a smile to T'Challa's face that was 100% Chad. While filming the movie, we would meet at the office or at my rental home in Atlanta to discuss lines and different ways to add depth to each scene. We talked costumes, military practices. He said to me, Wakandans have to dance during the coronations. If they just stand there with spears, what separates them from Romans? In early drafts of the script, Eric Killmonger's character would ask T'Challa to be buried in Wakanda. Chad challenged that and asked, what if Killmonger asked to be buried somewhere else? Chad, so do you guys, do you know the the very last line Killmonger has when he's, when, when he says T'Challa, he's about to die and T'Challa goes up to him and says, we can heal you. And then Killmonger says, why? So I could just be in chains in your prison. And he's like, nah, I don't want that. Bury me in the ocean so I can be buried with my ancestors that decided that death was better than bondage. Chad wrote that. At first, Killmonger was was supposed to say, bury me in Wakanda. And Chad was like, mm-mm, I got, an, I got something. Dope, and then And then Ryan went with it. Chad deeply valued his privacy and wasn't privy to the details of his illness. After his family released their statement, I realized that he was living with his illness the entire time I knew him. Because he was a caretaker, a leader, and a man of faith, dignity, and pride, he shielded his collaborators from his suffering. He lived a beautiful life, and he made great art. Day after day, year after year, that was who he was. He was an epic firework display. I will tell stories about being there for some of the brilliant sparks till the end of my days. What an incredible mark he's left for us. I haven't grieved a loss this acute before. I spent the last year preparing, imagining, and writing words for him to say that we weren't destined to see. 
It leaves me broken knowing that I won't be able to watch another close-up of him in the monitor again or walk up to him and ask for another take. It hurts more to know that we can't have another conversation or FaceTime or text message exchange. He would send vegetarian recipes and eating regimens for my family and me to follow during the pandemic. He would check in on me and my loved ones even as he dealt with the scourge of cancer. In African cultures, we often refer to loved ones that have passed on as ancestors. Sometimes you are genetically related, sometimes you are not. I had the privilege of directing scenes of Chad's character T'Challa, communicating with the ancestors of Wakanda. We were in Atlanta, in an abandoned warehouse with blue screens and massive movie lights, but Chad's performance made it feel real. I think it was because from the time that I met him, the the ancestors spoke through him. It's no secret to me now how he was able to skillfully portray some of our most notable ones. I had no doubt that he would live on and continue to bless us with more, but it is with a heavy heart and a sense of deep gratitude to have ever been in his presence that I have to reckon with the fact that Chad is an ancestor now, and I know that he will watch over us until we meet again. Jesus fucking Christ, man. (laughs) Holy smokes. That's the director. Like that's the relationship between an actor and director right there. And yeah, that's the, that's the director of black Panther. That is deeper than a business relationship. And I feel like if you were to ask multiple directors that worked with Chadwick, they'd have similar stories to tell. Cause that just seems like be his character. He just has that sort of impact. It seems like he's just, yeah, I mean, he's great. That's a, like, I I've read that three times now. And every time I come away from it, I come away with like a different feeling, but more than anything, like, I just feel like he was great. Like, he was a great one. And I think that there's a lot of different, like, versions of greatness. Like, Thurgood Marshall was great. Kobe Bryant was great. You know, maybe Shia LaBeouf was great. But he definitely was, and there's no doubt to my mind about it. Like, how he got there, I feel like I've been spending a lot of time thinking, like, how did he get great? Because, ultimately, I want to be there myself. but. Um, I just think that, yeah, I mean, he was, he just moved mountains. Like that's what, that's what, that's what happened. He moved mountains. He just moved mountains. Like, and I don't know, man. And the part about the fucking last line in Black Panther. (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's fucking nuts. That's legendary. Like the line in the script was bury me in Wakanda. Chad read it and was like, no, that's not good enough. And then wrote the best line in the fucking movie, bro. That's the best line in the movie. Like, in my opinion, that's a... No, bury me in the ocean where I can be with my ancestors who decided that death was better than bondage. Mic drop. Killmonger dies. Credits roll. Everybody cries. Their life has changed forever. That's what Chad did. As an actor. It's just... It's incredible. It really is, man. It's... It's not a good transition to go into Infinity War because he's not very present in Infinity War. I mean, he's there. The Wakanda's there. Um, he doesn't have a huge Y'all role. Y'all should have had me go do Black Panther last. Y'all done goofed. <laughs> I, fucking, <laughs> I know. I'm trying to like, all right, so Infinity War, we got fucking Mark Ruffalo in a Hulkbuster suit being a dumbass. No, it's it's a uh, – his role in Infinity War is very limited. That's where the final battle is. Um and he's just there for his people. He's there for his crew. And 
They're trying to save Vision while trying to defend off Thanos' army, and he has very limited uh, lines. I, I watched it again. He's very, he's very small part of the whole movie, which I was pretty disappointed with. Not enough. We didn't get enough of him. No, and, and the saddest part is that the end makes it so much worse when he's going to grab his sister's hand and he starts crumbling, and it's like, God, man, does every movie we watch have Not to do with something with him and dying? Like It's just like it's everywhere around us, it seems like, and... Yeah. I thought Spider-Man's death was the hardest in that movie and now it's Black Panther's 100%. It's just <laughs> yeah. It's just hard to I watch. I feel like even I remember watching that for the first time and and I I wasn't like, "Oh my god, they're dead." Like I knew that there was going to be another movie and that, you know, they were going to come back. But for me, what sucked is that I knew that because because they decided to crumble him, he was not going to be in the next movie. Like that's right. what pissed me off was that like fuck like we didn't get a lot of him in this movie and then he fucking dies and now like he's so i was just mad about the lack of in, like i just wanted more of him I, I that's how i felt yeah yeah absolutely and then we go on to 2019 21 bridges so i remember seeing the trailer for this movie it looked like a standard action flick um and after watching it it's pretty much what it is it's uh it's a shoot 'em up basically it's a coke deal gone bad uh, Chadwick Boseman plays the son of a cop. He is a cop, and his da- his dad was a cop who was uh, murdered on um, on duty. And he's known as the quick trigger. He's killed nine people in the line of duty. And whenever people challenge him, he's like, they all ha- they all had to reason. They they all shot first. Um, and he's very stoic in his role as this badass, but he has a heart, and you can tell. Um, so it's it's one of those cop versus robber shows it's actually uh taylor kitsch uh who played gambit he's the the main robber um <laughs> that guy sh- that, guy. <laughs> that guy he is also in uh friday night lights but yeah mostly we all john carter yeah yeah oh yeah he was um and so it's it's it starts off like you when you look at it from the outside looking in it's just a, a, a standard action flick but it's actually incredibly detail oriented um, way more realistic than any uh, shooter I've seen or like the, the thought process behind everything in the opening scene, they robbed the Coke and it's something, something's fishy. There's way more, way more Coke there than they thought there should be. Um, and you find out later why, but the, the death of each cop in that scene, like it's felt as opposed to just everybody just gets blasted and then they, they zoom off. Like everything is felt in this and it seems way more down to earth than your typical, um, action flick. JK Simmons is the police chief. Uh, he does a great job. There's a lot of good, a lot of good actors in it, but uh, the way they introduce uh, Chadwick is he is an Avenger, he who does right among the wrong, and it's like really <laughs> they're fucking pulling that. Uh, but I felt it, um, and and he's 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 basically just uh, he's trying to get to the 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 dirt of it, and he's the only one that sees through everything, and it's it's um, obviously a, a dirty deal. It's not everything's not as it seems. So I'm not gonna give anybody spoilers. I do think it's very entertaining. I had a great time watching it. But there is a scene where a cop's talking to him in a club who just shot somebody, who could have been a great witness. And uh, Chad walks up to him and goes, "He did this. He did this." And Chad just fucking socks him in the face and knocks him out and turns to his partner and goes, "What?" And just stares at him. And Chadwick's been stoic all movie, like not this like aggressive person, but he just knew he lost his witness, knocked him out, and turns his partner and just looks and goes, "What?" And like I got fucking goosebumps. It's like, oh my. Fucking God, that's that's a child right there. Uh, he's uh, he's still doing it, and uh, he he. There's like this whole scene where he's like, "Do you really want to go against the people that you know can control you?" And he goes, "I'd rather look the devil in the eye." And it's just like new, like he's just all about honor, 
all about integrity, which seems to be a common theme with all of his characters. And it's called 21 Bridges because there's 21 bridges in Manhattan. And so when they find out about this uh, drug, but this drug uh, theft, robbery, and then all these murders, they get the call to shut down all 21 bridges in Manhattan until five in the morning. And he has a timeline to get these guys. And so he's on the hunt with his partner. And there's some cheesy acting uh, along him, like around him. And like, it's not the best, uh, you know, executed movie in that sense. Like his partner's really like this, this chick with a Boston accent. Who's just, it's just clearly obvious. She's not from Boston, but like he is so much better than everyone around him that he carries this movie to be actually a really good action flick. So Mm. I'd highly recommend it. It's incredibly entertaining. And he, this is, this is what made me feel like this wasn't his training day, but he had a training day after this and we never got to see it. Like this was, Uh, he would have had, this was the role that showed that he could play a role that Denzel played in training day. And I was, and we just never got to see it, man. That's that's what really fucking stuck with me. Damn. Fuck man. Yeah. That's sad as fuck. It hurts. But let's close it out, man. Defy Blood, Zach. You got you got this one. Um, okay. So the Five Bloods. I mean, first of all, this movie was directed by Spike Lee. Uh, Chadwick didn't have a huge role in it. He was kind of a B character, an important B character, but a B character nonetheless. Um, this was honestly one of the better movies I've ever like seen in a long time. I think that this movie is gonna get a lot of Oscar nods for this year because. Which is interesting because it's a Netflix movie, and I don't know if Netflix has ever gotten Oscar nominations before, but if it doesn't, um, somebody fucked up. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it's, a, it's about these old uh, Vietnam vets who go back to Vietnam and are looking for the remains of their fallen kind of uh, com- commander who is played by Chadwick Boseman. And when they go back through Vietnam, it's really kind of this like, allegory of them reliving like their war stories and past and it ends up becoming like a shoot shoot them up and like a a bunch of crazy shit happens but chadwick plays a dead guy the entire time like like they just have like flashbacks of him you know his character throughout because he's kind of like the driving force they just want to bring him back home um which now that i'm saying that is kind of eerie um but anyway it's it's in all of these it's a weird theme dude yeah yeah um, but he's amazing and the movie's amazing and I know that we're running a little bit long, so I, I don't want to be too long winded here. Um, cause I do have like one last surprise for you guys I wanted to do before we actually close this out. And that is a rapid fire round of fucking questions for you boys. Okay, let's go. Wait, what? Let's end this thing on a positive <laughs> note. We're gonna, you know, it's been, it's been sad and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna bring this up. So I'm gonna <laughs> ask both you guys a question and you gotta be like super fast. And tell me what you experienced. Answer the question about the movies you watched. All right, ready? Biggest letdown. In the movies we watched? Infinity War. He was yeah. barely in it. I couldn't remember, but he was uh, barely in it. I guess uh, in Mess from the King, it just maybe a little bit more production value and uh, a little bit better acting on kind of what Jordan said around him. There's some mm-hmm. cheesy, some stupid parts that were definitely mm-hmm. like, and it was too fast. Too fast. Yeah. Yeah. All right, biggest surprise. Uh, ooh, the language in 42 uh, almost scared me at times. Uh, there's an actor in there that was from uh, Firefly, which is an amazing actor. He's, he's actually the voice from um, uh, he's K2 in Rogue One. And he's the one, like his language, he was the, the head coach of the Pittsburgh or no Phillies and was like saying the N word and just like 
every time he went up to bat, it was just nasty and ugly. I was super surprised on, on the language on 42. Hmm. I was completely surprised by James Brown. I had no idea about where he came from and who he was. And I, he was. You didn't know that you're like a huge fan now. I I didn't know. I like <laughs> no. He's an insane person. Like, but it's like what he came from. There's like it makes complete sense. But like it would go from like you're obsessed with this guy, and then he knocks his wife out and like stares at the camera and is like Jesus because he talks to the camera. He goes, didn't see that coming, did you? Like it's like holy shit. Like it. I was that blown away. Sounds scary. That sounds yeah. Scary. Damn. Yeah. I have to watch that one. Uh, standout moment, specifically with Chad. Uh, fuck. Uh, I'm gonna go back to 42 because uh, obviously he stands out in in Civil War again, fighting in the the realistic that he did of Black Panther, but um, his. When he talks about, you know, like that moment that he's actually like getting, he got pushed to the edge and he goes into the, uh, underneath, you know, into the, uh, into going to the lockers and he just screams and breaks the bat. And he says the next white person that says something basically awful to me, they're dead. And he actually breaks down into uh, Harrison Ford's character's arms and, you know, is sobbing and and comes out of that. And right and comes comes back out into the field and plays baseball um and i think chadwick i mean you can hear it the screaming the intense um and i think that stole the moment for me and i don't know why he didn't win an oscar for that because it was definitely intense yeah my, my mine's similar it, it, so in the whole movie of uh, get on up he's isolating himself and because he doesn't trust anybody and he can't with how he was raised and he pushes away everybody that loved him, including Bobby Bird, who was his best friend who took him in from prison and completely got him to where he was. And after he's gone through this entire ego trip of losing everyone, he goes to jail, realizes how deep he is in drugs and everything, comes back and starts performing again. And he goes to Bobby's house and gives him tickets for him and his wife to ask to come to his show. And they show up. And as soon as he sees them, he stops the music and he sings a ballad of love that he's never done he's always done this get on up and this dance and hip-hop and everything and, and this jive and, and jazz and he sings this beautiful ballad about needing someone that you never saw coming and bobby bird and his wife start tearing up in the audience and i almost did it's just it's just a beautiful thing and his transition from from scene to scene and just moment to moment just blew me away last one how will you remember him uh, I will remember him as the artist and top of his craft. I mean, like I said, I compared him to Jackie Robinson because Jackie was the top of his craft, top of his field. And um, I think we're going to miss – I don't even want them to make a Black Panther 2. I just – I think we leave that painting on the wall. We enjoy it, and um, we just don't forget. And hopefully we get to see other actors kind of come close. I mean, that's – that's something I'm always going to have with me, I think. It's so good. I mean, we went on this journey. I think we wanted to avoid a little bit of kind of what everybody was doing was kind of use this as a media outlet or kind of people kind of jumping on that bandwagon of Chadwick. I think, you know, we we were I was kind of worried about this episode for that. But going through the journey and watching an actor, it was kind of like watching Denzel Washington. I, I, I've seen a lot of Denzel Washington movies, which... I'm going to compare him to a little bit because Denzel steals the show every time. And I think he stole the show every time, even when the movie didn't have the great dollar amount that some of mm-hmm. you know, that they deserve. 
I I think of him as a culturally proud Leo. And I get the Denzel comparison because he does steal the show and he's a very proud like African man, but he has more versatility, I would think, I think than Denzel. Denzel has a great character and plays that character in pretty much every role he's in. But I truly think if Chadwick wanted to, he could do comedy. He could do drama. He could do whatever it took. And he always made it a point to have his culture involved. And I thought that that was just incredible. And I think that he's on the same bar as Leo, who I think is the greatest actor of all time. I love Leo too. Okay. Um, I have one more thing to read. It's a lot shorter than the last one, but it, it must be read in this episode. So uh, if we could, I'd like to, to close out on this. Of course. This is written by one of Chadwick's best friends. He's also happens to be one of my best friends as well. Michael B. Jordan. I've been trying to find the words but nothing comes close to how I feel I've been reflecting on every moment every conversation, every laugh every disagreement, every hug everything I wish we had more time one of the last times we spoke you said you were forever linked and now the truth of that means more to me than ever Since nearly the beginning of my career, starting with all my children when I was 16 years old, you paved the way for me. You showed me how to be better, honor purpose, and create legacy. And whether you've known it or not, I've been watching, learning, and constantly motivated by your greatness. I wish we had more time. Everything you've given the world, the legends and heroes that you've shown us we are, will live on forever. But the thing that hurts the most is that I now understand how much of a legend and hero you are. Through it all, you never lost sight of what you loved most. You cared about your family, your friends, your craft, your spirit. You cared about the kids, the community, our culture, and humanity. You cared about me. You are my big brother, but I never fully got the chance to tell you or to truly give you your flowers while you were here. I wish we had more time. I'm more aware now than ever that time is short with people we love and admire. I'm going to miss your honesty, your generosity, your sense of humor, and incredible gifts. I'll miss the gift of sharing space with you in scenes. I'm dedicating the rest of my days to live the way you did, with grace, courage, and no regrets. Is this your king? Yes, he is. Rest in power, brother. All right. Well, I think with that... We close this out. I mean, we're here for Chadwick and we honor Chadwick. We did our best to recap his greatest feats on film on the big screen. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and Wakanda forever. We'll see you next week.